Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We are looking at and delving into a new series and I've just simply entitled it The Holy Spirit. I didn't feel to get too creative. I just wanted to speak where it's at. And I want to talk about unapologetically. I don't want it to be subliminal. I want it to be very upfront and honest. And we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And it's through the Holy Spirit we can have power for godly living. I know every one of you in this place, for the most part, wants to live a godly life, wants to live a holy life, wants to live a life that counts and makes a difference. If I said to you, who wants to waste your life? There'd be very few, if any, that would put their hand up. You just want to waste my life. No, most of us want to do good things. We want to do godly things. We want to do the right things. We want to make a difference. We want to be a good husband. We want to be a good wife. We want to be a good parent. But we struggle to do what is good and godly because it's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. And I believe what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks is the secret to godly living. And I want to introduce you to a person called the Holy Spirit through this series. And I'm really excited about doing that. This is a series about rediscovering and knowing and experiencing, not just knowing, but experiencing the incredible power and the person of the Holy Spirit. Many Christians today totally neglect the Holy Spirit. They may know Him in theory, but they don't know Him experientially. And we want to learn how to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you would turn with me to the book of Romans. We read from Romans chapter 4 this morning. We're going to read from Romans chapter 8 tonight. Romans chapter 8 is a classic portion of Scripture. Every word in Romans chapter 8 is so powerful and can change your life if you can get it into your spirit. And in Romans chapter 8 verse 12, reading from the NIV, it simply says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, that means every one of you, There's nothing else other than brothers and sisters. We're just either a brother or a sister. That's pretty politically correct. And it involves all of us. We have an obligation. Wow. We do. We have an obligation. But it's not to the flesh. What is the flesh? The flesh is that soul part of you. It's that body part of you, the physical part of you. It's your mind. It's your will. It's your emotion. We have an obligation, but it's not to those things. Our obligation is not to do whatever we want to do. It's not to think whatever we want to think. It's not to feel whatever we want to feel. It's not to give our body whatever our body craves or desires. We don't have an obligation to the flesh, the Bible says. But it says, or to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Wow. But if you live by the Spirit, you'll put to death the misdeeds of the body and you will live. Who wants to live? Who wants to die? Let's have a quick uh, poll, shall we? Live, die. Who wants to live? Who wants to die? No, we don't want to die. We want to live. And there's answers of how to do that according to Romans chapter 8. It says, For, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. If we can get control and lead our soul, then the Bible says that we will be able to live and live a godly and a good 
life. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you will, not, uh, so you will live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. This is good news. In this portion of Scripture, it gives us wisdom and it gives us revelation of how we can live a godly life and not be led by our flesh and live a life that leads us to death. From the outset of this series, I want to quickly say what it is not. Firstly, we are not here to fully explain the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to explain the Holy Spirit in His entirety. In actual fact, we're trying to describe the indescribable. So we will always be learning when it comes to the things of God. So this is not an exhaustive study by any stretch of the imagination. I'm sure there'll be further questions at the end of it. That's fine. This is not about gaining more knowledge alone. Most of us, I believe, we don't need more knowledge so much as we need more experience. And so it's not just about giving us more knowledge so we can be smarter, but it's about giving us something that can help us take what we know in our head and get it from our head to our heart so that we can live experientially. Thirdly, it's not about going backwards. This is not about us embracing the glory days of Pentecostalism. I know there are some older folk here today and you've got some great stories of what God did in your world in the 60s and the 70s and maybe even in the 80s. And uh, I was around in the 80s, I was around in the 90s. And while I'm grateful for my Pentecostal heritage, I don't want to go back to those days. This is not a series that's going to take us backward. This is a series that I want us to take us forward. Amen. We don't want to be going backwards. Are you with me? And number four, it's not about minimising the need of the spiritual gifts. Granted, there has been much misuse of the gifts and there's been a lot of weirdness surrounding the gifts, but we want to be able to embrace the gifts. The Bible says eagerly desire the gifts, but we want to do it minus the strange stuff that has taken place within the subculture of Christendom. Amen. And so that's what it's not. But over the next few weeks, what we want to be looking at is who the Holy Spirit is, the role of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And tonight, I'm just going to quickly look at who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Three things and we're done tonight. Number one, the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, is a person. It's really important that we understand that the Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not an influence. The Holy Spirit is not a style. The Holy Spirit is a person. In actual fact, what many Christians are lacking today is not something in their life, it's someone. And I'm here to say categorically that someone is the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And the Bible uses many symbolic terms to describe Him. When you're trying to describe the indescribable, it's impossible. And so the Bible takes bite-sized chunks and illustrations to help us understand the character and the nature of this particular person. 
And so in the Scripture, by way of example, the Holy Spirit is referred to as water. The Holy Spirit is not water. He's a person, but He's like water. And you think about being in a desert on a dry, dusty day. You've been walking in the desert for a number of hours and someone offers you a glass of water. Think about how refreshing that is. The person of the Holy Spirit in your life will bring refreshing upon your life. I'm telling you, there are many Christians today that are so crusty. They need the Holy Spirit to come and bring refreshing. He's not water, but one of the characteristics and nature is that as a person, He brings refreshing into our life. The Bible describes the person of the Holy Spirit like wind. And when you think about a windy day, it just blows things away. The Holy Spirit wants to come into our lives and He will blow and He'll blow some of the rubbish away out of our lives. He'll blow some of the stinking thinking out of our lives. He'll blow some of the things that just are not healthy or helpful to us in our lives. But know this, the Holy Spirit is not wind. He's a person. But He's described in many ways to help us understand the character and the nature of who this person is. And so He's a person that comes and brings refreshing. He's a person that will speak into our lives and blow things away that we just don't need in our lives anymore. He's also described as a fire. And you think about what a fire can do. A fire can burn things up, can burn the rubbish in our lives. A fire can keep you warm on a cold day. Again, these are characters and, and natures that describe the person of the Holy Spirit. There are times when we just need the fire of God to come in our meetings just to stir us up again. Are you with me? And another picture in the Bible of the Holy Spirit is that He's like a dove. Now again, He's not a dove. He's a person. Everyone say person. He's a person, but He's like a dove. And if you think about a dove, He's gentle and He's peaceable. And in your turmoil and in your stress and in your anxiety, the Holy Spirit wants to come and bring peace into your life and peace into your situation. I was talking to someone just recently, well, in actual fact, they were bold enough to tell a small group that I was part of and they were talking about wanting to purchase a particular property and uh, they didn't have a peace, but they were going to do it anyway. And it's through a relationship with this third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, that's spoken to their lives. And a peace came of what to do and in this case, what not to do. And so the property they were going to buy, they decided against it. And while their flesh, I'm sure, wanted it, there was a peace in their heart that came through listening to God because God, when He speaks to us, He doesn't speak to our mind. He doesn't speak to our will. He doesn't speak to our emotions. He doesn't speak to our body. He speaks to the real us, the Spirit in us. It's God by His Spirit speaks to our spirit. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak into your life and bring about a peace that can transcend all understanding. We've had many decisions we've had to make and in the natural, it didn't make sense. We've had people say, that doesn't make sense. I said, I know, but I have a peace. And this is the peace that the Holy Spirit wants to bring, not just in my life, 
but in your life too. Whatever it is that you're facing or going through, we want to be able to have the approval of the Holy Spirit. And so I would say, get to know the person of the Holy Spirit. And He comes in many ways. He comes like a fire sometimes. He comes like a dove other times. He comes like water that refreshes other times. He comes like a wind that comes and blows things away. And just be open to the character and the nature of the person of the Holy Spirit coming in many different ways. And just like any person, there are different seasons and different things that we need to hear and that we need to let go of and we need to embrace. And that's what I love about the person of the Holy Spirit. See, under the old covenant, God gave them 10 commandments of what they should do and what they shouldn't do. But in the new covenant, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit to tell us what to do every day of our lives. And I love that. I love that thought. He's a person. Amen. Firstly, the Holy Spirit is a person. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is fully God. There is one God and He consists of three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 5, verse 3, it says, Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for, uh, for yourself some of the money that you've received in the land? Didn't it belong to you before you sold it? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not only lied to human beings, but you've lied to God. Peter referred to the Holy Spirit as God, capital G, God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is God. They are three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. A trinity. In other words, a tri-unity. Three persons in unity. In other words, the Holy Spirit is not the third wheel in the relationship. I don't know if you've ever been on a date and uh, someone decides to tag along Third wheeling, not fun. The Holy Spirit is not that. He's not the third wheel in the relationship. And He's not the water boy on the team. He's not that just guy just shouting from the sideline, go team, yay. No, He is equally God. He is every bit God as the Father is and as the Son is and so can be and should be worshipped. It says in Psalm 139 verse 7 that He is ever present in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, he says, He is eternal. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, He is all-knowing. And in Romans 15, verse 19, it says of the Holy Spirit that He is all-powerful. It is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, but different roles. God the Father planned our salvation. Jesus died for our sins and made our salvation possible. And the Holy Spirit is involved in making salvation possible actual. Every part of the Godhead had a part in our salvation. Right now, according to the Scriptures, we know that God the Father is in heaven. We know that Jesus Christ came to planet earth, was born as a babe in a manger. He lived for some 33 years and He showed the world what the Father was like. He introduced the world to God the Father and what He was actually like. 
He was crucified and He died. And on the third day, He rose again. And after having risen again, He stayed on the earth for about six weeks and He appeared to many, many people, believers and unbelievers. And there before many of them, He ascended into the heaven. And now He's seated at the right hand of the Father. So in heaven right now, we have God the Father and God the Son. And God that is with us is the Holy Spirit. Just as God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus said, I will give you a comforter. I will give you one who will be with you always. And the God that is with us today, that lives with us and leads us and guides us and prompts us and directs us and teaches and empowers us is God the Holy Spirit. So if we don't have a living dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit, we're going to miss much of God's plan and purpose for our lives. God the Holy Spirit is the one who's with us here on planet Earth. So the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is fully God. And my third point tonight is simply this. The Holy Spirit is with us now. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, it said on one occasion, while He was still eating with them, He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, for which you heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing thing that Jesus commissioned the church to go into all the world. But in this moment, He's saying, but don't do anything yet. Don't do anything yet. Because you won't know what to do. You won't know how to do it. And you won't have the strength to endure doing it. So if you want wisdom and you want strategy and you want power to achieve what I'm talking about, you better wait here because I'm going to bring a gift. And the gift is the person of the Holy Spirit. The Father sent Jesus to save us, but Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. And we need both saving and empowering. Thank God that the Father sent Jesus. Without Jesus' death, burial and resurrection, I would not be saved today. But I thank God that Jesus gave me the Holy Spirit because without the Holy Spirit, I would not be able to endure and continue and lead a church for the last 20 odd years and face all that we've faced. It's Him who is the one who's able to help us in Jesus' Name. His presence changes us from the inside out. And He gives us the ability to do what we were unable to do before. I often joke about people having a favourite verse, but let's be honest, if we're really honest with ourselves, there's probably some verses that you don't like. And the reason we don't like them is because they're difficult to do. And those verses that are difficult to do are in there for a reason, because God wants them done. And whatever is difficult for us to do, He knows that. And so us telling God that it's difficult to do is not information to Him. He knows that already. And whenever I find myself saying, I can't do it. And we do that from time to time, if we're honest. We find ourselves at the end of ourselves saying, I don't know what to do. I can't do it. I can't go on. And God says, good, I know. I know. That's why I sent my Holy Spirit to empower you to do what you otherwise could not do. 
I mean, let's be honest, when the Bible says to love your enemies, that's not an easy thing to do. But it is something God intends us to do. God actually wants us not only to love those that love us, but He wants us to love those that don't love us. And that's not easy. In actual fact, that's impossible. Enter the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out and we find ourselves able to do what we couldn't do before. Like I said, this series is not about us getting more knowledge so that we can just ram it down someone's throat. No, we want an experience of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to know that we have the power of God to be able to forgive, but never live in forgiveness. We want to be a church that knows what it is to actually live in forgiveness. That's what we want. I sense a hunger tonight for that. And that hunger can only be fed through a relationship with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated them and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. On the day of Pentecost, some 2,000 years ago, we read of a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the result of that outpouring was this, changed lives. One of the things that took place is they began to speak in other tongues. And, and I think that's an incredible gift that comes with knowing this person of the Holy Spirit. But what I don't want to be guilty of is us having this gift and then running other churches down that don't have that gift. That is not what this is on about at this moment. What we see is that was one of the gifts, but essentially their lives were changed for the better. Supernatural power came upon them. Prior to this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they were locked in a room upstairs. They were afraid of their, for their lives. They weren't really praying in faith. They were actually locked away, afraid, not sure what was going to happen. And they had a visitation of the Holy Spirit. Tongues of fire seemed to rest on their head. They spoke in a new, uh, unknown language. But what changed was they went from fear to courage. When the Holy Spirit came into their lives, they unlocked those doors, they went downstairs and the very people that they're afraid to be in front of, now they're preaching the Word of God with great authority and power and boldness. And Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and he preaches and the Bible tells us that 3,000 people responded and gave their life to Christ. That is not just about tongues, ladies and gentlemen. That is about a changed life. Some people, some of the, one of the problems I find in Pentecost is all we've got is tongues. And with our tongues, we've got bitterness and unforgiveness and we're grumpy and we're miserable and we're tired. That was never God's intention. Tongues is just one of the incredible gifts. But essentially, knowing the Holy Spirit in your life will change your life from the inside out. And as we go on year after year following Christ, we should be becoming more and more like Him. Our lives should be forever changed. They had a supernatural power. They had a supernatural lives. And there were supernatural results. And Peter went on to say, 
when He was speaking to those that were there that day in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, He said, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the Name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? It's a gift. Wages are earned. Gifts are given. Gifts are given. The Holy Spirit is a gift. You don't have to earn the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to give you the gift of this person. The promise is for you and your children and all who are afar off. For all who call upon the name of the Lord. Peter prophetically is speaking to us tonight. 2,000 years ago, Peter was saying, it's for you, Victory Church. It's for you, Paul. It's for you, Carly. It's for you, Phil. It's for you, Ash. It's for you, Dan. It's for you, Laura. It's for you. It's for you. It's for you. It's not something that's stopped with a certain generation. It's for each and every one of us who call on the Name of the Lord. It's a promise that is for everyone. And without the Holy Spirit, we'll only ever rely upon our natural gifts and our natural talents. And our natural gifts and our natural talents will only ever get us so far. But if we could come into a relationship with Him, our spirit, the real us, will be able to hear from God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, and we'll be able to bring leadership to our soul. Leadership to our thoughts, leadership to our feelings. See, our morning quiet time, the time where we spend with the Lord, is not a ritual that we want to impose upon you. Now that you've saved, you've got to do this. What I would say that Christianity is a relationship. And for that relationship to be nurtured, you've got to spend time with the one you've come into a relationship with. So we call that a quiet time. We call that a time with God. I, I believe every person who says they are a Christian should be reading their Bible on a daily basis. Not out of legalism. Not because if you don't, you're a bad person. Not because if you don't, you'll lose your salvation. None of that. It's not true. But just to nurture and develop the relationship that you said yes to. I see my wife every day. When you say it like that, it sounds horrible. I see her every day. Or I can say, guess what? Since I've been married, I get to see my wife every day. And I want you young ones, because I know this whole thought of marriage has been, has been crippled by people's marriages not working out. But I want to tell you, marriage is God's intention and it's a beautiful thing. And I love being married. We've been married for 25 years and I look forward to another 25 years with her. We're going to grow old and wrinkly together and it's going to be fun. And when we're in our 80s, we're going to be in church and we're going to be encouraging the young ones. That's our future. And so, yeah, I get to see my wife every day and I love it. And you know what? I get to read my Bible every day. You know what? I do. And I love it. I get to spend time with Jesus every day. You know what? I do. And I love it. It's not like, I've got to spend time with Jesus now that I'm saved. No, no, no. It's, it's one way of looking at it. 
Or we get to spend time with him. Get to know his character, his nature, his way. I love being able to talk to Kath about some of my experiences I've had in my quiet time with God. That time when I'm alone and say, man, I had a moment with God today. It's like he was very much the dove today. Very much the dove. Just bringing a peace into my life. I'm so grateful for that. And you know what? If I've got peace because I've been with God, my wife not only falls more in love with me, but she falls more in love with God. It's like, thank you, God, for helping him. He needs it. He needs it. That's why the Bible says you should pray for your husband. You should pray for your wife. You should pray for your leaders. You know why? Because we need help. Especially husbands, we need help. We do. We need help. We have natural abilities, natural talents, but they only get us so far. They only get us so far. I think women are far more naturally gifted. They can, they can multitask. They can do so much more than most men. We need help. Christianity is a relationship with the God of the universe. And for that relationship to be nurtured, we spend time with God. And we should desire to spend time with Him. But don't anyone let you ever tell you, you have to read your Bible. That's not what God says. But the inference is, hey, to nurture this relationship... You've got to spend time with God. I would encourage any young person who's getting married, and we do this all the time in our pre-marriage council, say, hey guys, you've got to spend time together. I know you feel like you know each other, but there's so much, thing, so much more you're going to get to know each other. Right now you're just young and you're in love and it's awesome. But when you live together and you see each other, you're going to learn a whole heap more about each other. And it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. And we welcome it. Morgan, Suz. It's going to be awesome. Look forward to that day when you guys get married. It's going to be a great day. January 13 for memory. There we go. Weather's going to be about 35 degrees. No rain. It's just going to be awesome. Other days I meet with the Holy Spirit and He comes like a fire. And He just burns all the doubt and all the whinging and all the negativity. It's come out like, what was, oh my gosh. <laughs> How'd you go this morning? I got a bit told off today. He just started going to God and he just shut me down. I love that. I'm glad he doesn't let me get my own way all the time. I'm so glad that God has not answered every one of my prayers according to how I think he should answer. I'm so glad. If you haven't lived long enough yet to have prayed something, only be around long enough to know that that was a stupid thing to be praying for. I would say, hang around, because you're going to have plenty of those things. Oh, Lord, thank you for not saying yes to that prayer. Because He knows best. And I've said so many times, thank you for not saying yes. Thank you for not saying yes. Other times, thank you for saying no. That would have been a disaster. Thank you. I remember back in the day, praying for a particular property that we thought God had called us to be a part of and it's a shopping centre next door to the little building that we're meeting in 
And, and we had this idea, it was a great idea, let's just go around the building and just walk and pray. And we walked and prayed. We did it for week after week after week after week after week. And we prayed and we shouted and we, and we did all those cool things that you do. Believing God would give us every place on which our foot shall tread, because I've read it in the Bible. And all we did is create an enemy. The local shopping centre put a petition. Thousands of people signed this petition. Do you want a church? Yes or no? No, 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 no. Then we went to council. Ash was there. You remember, we went to council. We had to sit in the dock. Five of us from Victory Church. The rest of the dock was all the community members. We had five minutes to plead our case for the next two hours. Everyone who wanted to have a say had a say. And they weren't kind. And they weren't nice. They were just very clear about why they didn't want a church. And we knew at that moment it was just not going to happen. And now I look back with hindsight, being in this place, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that God did not answer our prayers with a yes. In actual fact, I'm convinced that He gave someone a strategy for us to walk around that building in order, in order to put us offside with the locals so that we wouldn't get that property because God had other plans. Holy Spirit wants to come. Speak to us. You know, if I said to you tonight, I had a supernatural ability to play golf. You know, I was praying the other day and God just came upon me and I now have a supernatural ability to play golf. Now, all of those who know me know I don't play golf. So you'd be very interested to know how my game's going. But let's be honest, if, that, if I said that, you would want to see the evidence of my encounter. You said, well, go on then, show us. No, it's just, it's just so personal. I just... I, <laughs> It's just between me and God. I just know, we just know I'm just amazing at golf now. He's like, no, so nothing happened then. You'd be left to think that nothing happened. Now, if I told you I had a supernatural ability to play golf, you'd say, well, show us then. And if we've had a genuine encounter with the living God, there should be something that could show people what that encounter is. But if we're as miserable, if we're as bitter, if we're as unforgiving, if we're as competitive, if we're exactly the same, I'd have to say, really, what, what was that encounter? What happened? See, the Holy Spirit wants to come, not just so we can talk about encounters. The Holy Spirit wants to come, not so we can just play church and argue about whether you should raise hands or not raise hands, whether you should be loud or quiet, whether you should kneel or stand. That's what a lot of arguments have been reduced to in the body of Christ, and that's not the purpose. The Holy Spirit wants to come and do for us what we can't do for ourselves. One of the greatest privileges I get in leading this church is to get so many incredible people who've had genuine God encounters. Seeing angry people become peaceable people. Seeing people that were so worried and fretting about all kinds of things coming to a newfound freedom. 
I think about Andre on the front row. When he first came to this church, I never could have imagined that he would not only be on staff, but be such a vital part of our team. God has just changed this man's life. And I could go row after row after row of people's genuine encounters. Because when you've had a genuine experience with the living God, you don't have to win arguments. You just have an inner peace and a knowledge. Will you stand with me tonight? My question tonight is this. When was the last time you saw the power of God at work in you? If it's recently, fantastic. Celebrate that. But if it's been a long, long time, that can change tonight. That can change for you right here, right now. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 